you're anything like me, you probably have a blank jersey or two sitting in your closet just waiting for a new name and number to be put on it. Well, good news. Our friends over at Customized Sports have you covered. Customized Sports offers high-quality professional look at your home. With just four simple steps, you can have any player's name on any jersey you want. To get started, visit CustomizeSports.com to find what you need. Thank you to Customized Sports for sponsoring us. Hey guys, welcome to the 13th Man Podcast. That's our first episode. It's Shane. I got it, Frankie. We'll be your co-host for this podcast. How are you doing today, Frankie? I'm not too bad. How about you, Shane? Not bad, you know, living through the, the <laughs> chaos that is the coronavirus. It's been great fun. Like we well, said in the preview, great fun. So much fun. Well, you're still working, so I feel like it's, like for me, when I was working, I had no issue. Now being home for like three weeks, I can't, I want to get back to work. Yeah, I mean, working at a grocery store is a little bit chaotic right now, to say the very least, but um, I mean, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, and I mean, I know there's some grocery stores paying premium for for the people who are working, which is great, and like... I don't like I've heard some grocery stores that are doing like scheduled shifts and certain like certain people work three days in a row and then they're off for four and then other people are working like three days those other three days and whatnot. Uh which I think is great, but I don't know how effective it is for yeah anything. Not where I'm working, we're just getting whoever can possibly work every single day to be there every single day. It's uh you know, I'm part-time, but I'm working pretty much full-time hours right now. So that's fun. Hey, really enjoying that. Good money. Good money. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, you can look at it that way. But Hey, if you're working part-time hours, once this all blows over, you'll be back down to 20 hours a week. So got to make that money now, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm not hard up for it right now, but it'll, <laughs> it'll help out in the future, I guess, a little bit. Hey, some saving money. But... You know, one thing I wanted to to talk about on this episode was I don't know if you saw it, but Steve Warren uh, tweeted out earlier on Wednesday was he would like to see some NFL rules brought up to the CFL, and he thinks that they would be it would help improve the game. And I tweeted out to him, like, what rules he would like to see implemented because there may be some rules from the NFL that could benefit the CFL. And he never got back to me. But personally, I think there's more rules that the NFL should take in from the CFL than CFL taking in from the NFL. So that's one of the topics I wanted to talk about today. Uh, so, Frankie, was what else were you looking at talking today? Um, I mean, a little bit probably about uh, the XFL folding too, because that that certainly has quite the impact on the CFL, um, as was noted in that article that I wrote for Six One Three. I think that is is pretty pretty big for you know us CFL fans to know that we're still the number two league in the world. Yeah, and. I think we'll continue to be the number two league in the world, even though that sounds bad. I mean, <laughs> you're not going to catch the NFL, so being number two to the NFL isn't a bad option. That's true. And I mean, I think I've been vocal about it, where I think the talent level between the two leagues aren't that big. 
the gap between them. It's just the NFL's marketing and TV deals and money is second to none in any sure. league. Yeah, it's it's hard to compete when you've got guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you know, all these guys that are household names. And then, you know, tell me how many people in Toronto knew McLeod Bethel Thompson by name. Yeah, well, Toronto's not that great of a market. They're so saturated. Sports are everywhere for them. Unfortunately, the anything outside of the big five is going to get overlooked. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because that's one of those markets that you really need to be in. If Toronto cares, the rest of Canada cares. Yeah. And they haven't cared. But, again, it's just a whole saturated market where there's so much going on at all times where how far down the totem pole is the the Argonauts. They're down there with the Rock and the Marlies. For sure. You could even throw, you know, the, the junior hockey teams and, you know, the minor league baseball stuff down there or independent baseball, I guess. But, you know, there's there's only so many dollars to go around from people. And, you know, if somebody's going to a couple of Blue Jays games a year, a couple of Leafs games, a couple of Raptors games, maybe, just maybe that, you know, the Argos aren't really in budget anymore. Possibly yeah. for some people. For some people, because, you know, the people – it costs an arm and a leg now to go to those games, especially the Raptors and the the, the Leafs. So you're kind of – and Toronto's not a cheap place to live. So you have to budget on where you want to go. Argonauts are at the bottom. Even if you're, you know, not a Jays fan or a TFC fan and you are a football fan, if you're a basketball and hockey fan more, well, Raptors and Leafs are going to get more money. Also, just a quick note, looking over my shoulder here, I don't know if you can see the outside right now. Absolutely coming down in buckets full of snow out there. I cannot. I have my blind closed <laughs> right now. Uh, I know it was snowing last night, and I think it was snowing earlier this morning. I don't like it. It's April. It shouldn't be snowing. Absolute blizzard here in Ottawa right now. It's ridiculous. Um for and I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, we are wearing red blacks jerseys. It's just we're in Ottawa. It's the easiest team to get. Uh, for me personally, I'm gonna try having a new jersey on, representing different teams every episode. So, you know, if you guys have any, you know, oh, you want to see, or you know, someone selling jerseys, let me know. I will gladly buy a jersey off anyone who's selling them because I'd much rather, you know, support small businesses than major corporations. And if you aren't watching on YouTube, you might not see that Shane has a Chris Phillips jersey behind him, a Marco Rossi jersey behind him. Uh, I believe that is, is that a Bobby Ryan jersey behind you? Yes. I and have hockey behind, jerseys by me. <laughs> and then behind me, I've got a 67 shirt, a big Ottawa 67s logo painted on my wall. And then... I believe the sticks are from Jason Bailey and Julian Demers, if I remember correctly, but they're 67 sticks. So we're very Ottawa. Yeah, and I mean, I have my my footballs in a corner uh, on my dresser, so they're there. Um, maybe, maybe I'll figure out a display that has more football-related stuff for this episode, but it is what it is. We'll figure it out. The, the, the current situation of us 
using Zoom is more than likely going to be temporary. I think we're going to shoot to be together uh, when we do record episodes, when this whole quarantine thing is lifted. So I think we'll get something set up there, something nice when that happens. Yes, that is that is ideally the the plan where we'll be there'll be one area, one center top, probably better qu- camera quality than what we're seeing now. Um, Especially on my end with uh, the window being the lighting. Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll things will get going. Obviously, your guys' support will play a huge factor in that. So, but. You know, the XFL being a big topic. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about the NFL CFL rules and then we'll jump into the XFL and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Sounds good to me. Uh, so for the NFL, like, again, I, I would love for Steve Warren to kind of come out and see what rules he was looking for because I still haven't seen a tweet in response to it, but I think the CFL game is perfectly fine. The four downs, I think, saturates saturates the game. There won't be as many big plays, and I don't, I can't really see any other rules that the NFL would, NFL rules that would implement or help improve the CFL game. Yeah, and I, the the only one that I could see that is is really an easy transition is to go to four downs, but I don't ever want to see that for a Canadian game. Yeah, and I, I just I don't think running the ball for three yards for three plays, it's not very fun. It's very conservative football. And you're not gonna have the big plays that we would have come, you know, the way it is now where we have those like thirty yard bombs or 40-yard bombs, that would be removed from the game. Not entirely, but there would definitely be a decrease in those big plays, big yardage plays every game. And, I mean, realistically, too, I don't, I don't look at any of the NFL rules and say, you know, that's a really good rule. Like, it, you know, you look at the NFL rules and you see a lot of stupid stuff. Like, uh, you know, their catch rule is a prime example. If anything – I think the NFL should adapt the CFL's catch rules. Uh, I think they should adapt the, adopt the 20-second play clock. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like it, football will be more entertaining if there's more of an emphasis placed on throwing the ball like we have here. Yeah. And having that emphasis on throwing the ball, it opens up a great running game. And you get more big running plays. There was one comment I saw about bringing in the XFL-style kickoff on the wider field. And I'm not a huge fan of the kickoff. I think the people have put too much emphasis on it being a bad play or an unnecessary play. There's not many injuries that come with punts and kickoff that the NFL is leading out to be. But I would love to see it because I think – you'd see, you know, big like Brandon Banks, he gets loose off, misses one tackle. He's gone to the races. Yeah. And that's something that the league can do no matter what. We see it all the time. You know, I know last season, uh, I think within the first 10 weeks, we were on pace to break the previous record for punt returns brought back, back, brought back for a touchdown. 
So the CFL is exciting. Adding that rule in for a kickoff would just increase it. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of, you know, player safety and stuff. Like that's that's primarily what that rule is for. But I feel like on the wider field, uh, you know, there's less of high-impact plays. Uh, people aren't going out there to nail somebody. They're going out there to block somebody. Uh, and then when a lot of the times when someone does get hurt on a kickoff, it often seems like they got their ankle rolled over on or, you know, they jammed their, their knee into the ground or something. And, you know, you don't see a lot of guys going out there and getting absolutely destroyed. Not anymore. And I think that's the thing. There are the like, there are the impact blocks. I mean, if you look up the CFL highlight reels, Nick Lewis was great at them, running downfield and just cold clocking someone blindside. They've eliminated that. I'm okay with because it's an unnecessary play nine times out of ten. But you don't have those hit stick kind of hits that the NFL has on yeah, that smaller field. If you look at some of the worst hits on special teams in the NFL too, it often happens to a uh, to the to the returner who doesn't you know signal for a fair catch and then gets absolutely lit up by a guy who's running full speed at him. So yeah. I think the 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 five yard halo rule is you know on punts is kind of helps the CFL stay a little bit safer when compared to the NFL, uh, especially especially because there's there's times where a guy just doesn't look up and doesn't fair catch. Yeah, and there's. I love the five-yard halo rule. I think it's great. I think it helps a lot more than the fair catch rule because you can – you know that people are going to slow down. And it helps the blocking. It helps everything because you know that you are going to get either a penalty, which you know is helpful, or you're going to have time to get blocking set up and – that will increase a better return. And it's entertaining too. Um, I, like I, I don't get entertained by watching, you know, a punter boot the ball 40 yards and then have a guy just catch it and that's it. A hundred percent. Imagine, you know, a guy like Devin Hester, who in his prime was the best kick returner in the NFL. Imagine what he could have done on a C- in CFL-style rules, on an NFL field, or even in, in the CFL, he would be returning punts all the time. Well, if you remember back to that game in Montreal with Ottawa this year uh, when Devontae Dedman took over and won the game, uh, you know, if that fair catch rule existed there, he probably would have taken it. And then, you know, because he didn't, he gets the five-yard halo. He broke four, five, six, seven tackles, runs for a touchdown, and pretty much wins Ottawa that game, despite, you know, how terrible they played. And that's the thing. In the CFL, all three facets, all three areas of the game matter. In the NFL, you can – the only time special teams matter is when you're lining up for a game-winning field goal. Only time. Well, you can – you know, it's important in the way that you can flip field position, but, you know, the return team doesn't need to be that good. Uh, and, you know, just it, – it's – sometimes you find it a little bit boring. Like, I don't know if you watch the uh, – the Bills and Texans playoff game, but uh, whoever the Texans returner was threw the ball to the referee and, you know, the Bills picked it up in the end zone for a touchdown, but they take it, they, they overturn it because of some common sense rule. Like their special teams make no sense at sometimes, you know, you, I just prefer the way the CFL does it in general. 
Yeah, I mean, the NFL has, needs to figure out their own rules before adopting any new rules. But I think it's important that we – we the, the CFL needs to market things better, and marketing the game will go a long way in helping the popularity of the league and the teams in the league. And, you know, they do a good job with having players go to community events and stuff, but I, I don't remember the last time I've seen a CFL commercial featuring, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell, Mike Riley, or, you know, even Ottawa commercials uh, with Nick Arbuckle or Antoine Pruno. Like, you know, you get those on the radio every now and then, but it's just – it's weird that we'd never see anything like that unless it's an actual CFL game. Or it's on TSN promoting the CFL season – on a different you, – because you see it plenty during the summer when there's baseball on, and they're like, oh, catch CFL here, but they're talking about upcoming games. Yeah. And I do agree that the local market has a big impact on it. Like, imagine being able to watch CTV Ottawa or, you know, for Rogers, for example, getting in on having players on some local commercials – and whatnot. I think it, even if the league paid for it, it would be great publicity, you know. But I think until the CFL gets into malls and gets into different areas, they're not going to exceed any expectations of just being a feeder, a feeder league, unfortunately. I mean, I think a lot of it too is, you know, Young kids today, I'm one of them, uh, you know, they're on, they're playing Madden. And when you play Madden, you start to learn the NFL, you start to learn, you know, the players and all that. And then you get into it. That's kind of how I got into the NFL to begin with. You don't have that option for the CFL. And, you know, having a video game for the CFL would be absolutely huge for them. But for whatever reason, they don't want one. I think it's, I don't think it's that they don't want one because it came out with the friend, like the CFL frenzy. Yes. Which was actually a lot of fun to play. But how do you make a CFL-only game when the audience of the CFL isn't that big right now? Because the smart thing or the better idea would be to incorporate the CFL into Madden like you have with European leagues in NHL. Yeah. And taking Madden from just USA NFL and turning it into kind of like a FIFA where you have, you can play any league, any team that is part of the game. And I think that's the direction the CFL wants to go because people will buy the game and be like, Oh cool. You can play as a completely different team and from a different league and you'll you'll get comfortable and you'll know them and you'll do the you'll learn them the exact same way. You have to wonder too though if the NFL would want to do something like that. Um they seem to be very, you know, for their own benefit a lot of the time. Uh you know, they could have kept the the alliance league alive if they wanted to. And I mean, you know, they did keep the CFL alive once upon a time, but I don't know if they would be doing the same now. I mean, I think you would have to. Uh, I think there's some legality issues where 
it comes to the draft being like illegal because it doesn't give players other options and whatnot. I'm not going to get into the legal side of things, but you know, for, for the NFL, you want the best of the best, right? That's the whole, that's their whole premise is that we're the best of the best. And how do you create the best of the best? Well, you start promoting other leagues that way. It's like, you know, especially with the amount of interest and, you know, buzz that the CFL is creating now in the States um, and the players are in creating with teams. I think we saw a record amount this past off season of players getting at least a tryout for NFL teams. Then there was like almost 30 or 40 players who've been offered a tryout. There was one from each team, I believe at the very least, was it not? I think so. Because I think, you know, Lewis Ward had a couple. Uh, you know, Willie Jefferson did one and then stopped because he figured everything. The tape was out there. So if you really wanted to take a look at him, the tape was there. We saw Robinson go to Chicago, I think. A lot of them went – we had like three players go to Vegas. Anthony Chaffee went to the Jets, I believe. Yes. Kind of surprising that he he got – a contract and that's not like in a that's not to knock his skill I just wasn't expecting like he was one of the players that was so far down the totem pole of CFL high-end talent you wouldn't you wouldn't have expected him like you know Robinson made sense Stan Stan a lot of these guys made sense and then there's coffee or Chaffee where you're like was he really impactful? It surprised me that he went and it wasn't Avery Williams to go because I thought Avery Williams was probably the best player on the team last year. Yeah. And, I mean, hey, it could have just been – because he is a corner. He's a slot corner by trade over outside linebacker. Yeah. So, I know the Jets – I don't know the Jets overly well because they're not my team. So, I don't know their complete breakdown – like their team breakdown. But taking a quick glance at it, they were relatively weak on, you know, defensive backs. So it could just be a the opportunity for Chaffee's greater there. He fits what they're looking for. He can be a nickel, a nickel back too. So still relatively young too. I don't know his exact age I off think the top he's of like my head. Twenty six or something like that. Yeah. So plenty of football left in him if he wants to. Oh yeah, but. But back to the point that Steve Warren made, would the NFL not care more about the CFL if it was American football? I don't think so. I I think with Goodell at the, the helm, the league is never going to prosper. Like the best thing for the NFL is to get rid of Goodell. Because the Goodell is like Goodell is so narrow minded. And there's some owners too, but I think overall, if you were to look at the number one problem of the NFL, it's Goodell. And if you were to put, you know, you know, for for a while, Cameron Wake was their best the best CFL player turned NFL player. Yeah. And you know, you have Warren Moon and Doug Flutie, uh, Theisman, a bunch of guys. But Goodell refuses to acknowledge it. The 
American media refused to acknowledge it. And I think that's just their culture down there. I'm not sure. Because the, the American market, like even in the NBA, MLB, NHL, kind of disregard Canadian markets. They don't really care for them. Absolutely. Tell me about it. As a Raptors fan, the, the disrespect the entirety of last year and then even into this year, you know, you're sitting in second place and nobody is talking about you as a championship favorite. So it's certainly something that goes on all the time down there. Yeah, so I don't know if it's – I don't think the changing the game to an American style is going to help with that. The American market's always like – the American media is always going to hate on a Canadian market, Canadian-style league. You know, you see plenty of it with the CHL too, where, like, if you're a CHL player, you're kind of – or an American player going to the CHL, for a long time you were kind of frowned upon. You weren't looked at to the same regard as players in the U.S. development team. Which is funny because the CHL is probably the best developmental league out there. It is. But if you play CHL, you're not NCAA bound. And then you're not feeding. You know, the U.S. Development League is designed to feed the universities. Yeah. So, unfortunately, if you're kind of, like, if Patrick Kane didn't, Patrick King going to London hurt U.S. hockey when he was a teenager more than it actually helped them. Matthews going to Switzerland has hurt them more than it's helped them. These big-name players going out against them has hurt more, and the the media market hates it. Yeah, but we kind of battle the same thing here. Like, our best Canadian players, you know, go play in the NCAA. Um, I believe his name, Nathan Rourke, I believe his name is, uh, the quarterback for uh, Ohio. Um, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he has the chance to come play here this year, but, you know, he chose to go NCAA instead of U Sport, which, you know, credit to him, able to get into the NCAA. They're not quite on the same level like uh, the CHL and the NCAA are in, ter- in hockey terms. But, you know, we still have that battle here of trying to keep our best Canadians in Canada. But, again, I think this is where, you know, the difference of youth sports hockey or youth sports and NCAA sports come into, into play. Yeah. Because the NHL, all, all major leagues don't look at youth sports for talent. If you go use, if you go out of – because if you go out of the CHL – or high school basketball into youth sports, you're not going to get looked at from a pro team, or very rarely are you going to get looked at from a pro team at the NHL level. You might get an ECHL, AHL deal after you're done school, but that's it. You're not going to get an NHL level contract. You're not getting an ELC after you graduate youth sports. You're not going to get drafted in the like, Eau Claire, is it? Yeah, Eau Claire out of uh, Laval, the tight end for Tampa, one of the few players to get drafted straight out of U Sports into the NFL. It happened. Was it David Onyemata that had the same thing happen to him? I think so. Yeah, he went to Manitoba and then he got drafted by the Saints. So there's not many of them, but no, uh, and. There was another one who went to 
University of Saskatchewan, I think. And he got drafted. Uh, he ended up with the Saints, I think. Can't remember his name. But he was an American who ended up going to U Sports because of uh, LSU's tampering allegations. Mm-hmm. But U Sports are looked down upon in in as a global or North American viewpoint in sports, which is why Canadian leagues are so important. But yeah, you have uh, Canadians going down. You have like, you know, Neville and whatnot, Claybrook. But these are also, you know, four-year players. They're not quite at the level that they're now at. They're not those guys that can jump out of university after year three. Yeah. So... Yes, getting in, like players to stay in Canada is important if they feel like they can get drafted into the NFL because the NFL is where the money's at, and you're not playing this game for 15 years. Very rarely do you have a 15 year career unless in, you're a quarterback in football. Even then, you know, you're depending on how much you get hit and your durability and how good you are, you could be out of the league within like five, six years. Oh, for sure. So you want to make as much money as possible, which I have no issue with. So if the CFL really wants to compete, they need to drive their dollars up. And that's the the big thing on how do you drive those dollars up. I think one of the important things too, though, is, you know, we look at the NFL draft and we see, you know, oh, Joe Burrow's coming out. And, you know, you, you know all the guys that are getting drafted high. And then, you know, you look over at the CFL and – I mean, realistically, how many of the players in this draft do we really know? You know, U Sports is – it needs to – they need to build it up. And, you know, you start putting the, the U Sports championship game on the Saturday before the Great Cup in the yeah. same city, you know, you start to draw some interest from people if the crowds are big. Because if the crowd cares, people care. All of a sudden, it's, it's, you know, important if there's a crowd. And I blame Sportsnet for the lack of care – for youth sports because they own the contract. They have a youth sports contract and they, you turn on to, to sports night and there's like nothing when there's the season going on. It's the same thing with the CHL where it's just, they don't care. Yeah. I mean, why, uh, CBC sport will be broadcasting. I believe all their games, like all youth sports games on CBC sport locally. I think the CFL has to share some of that responsibility too. Like, I don't know why they expect Canadians to go to the U Sports final uh, in a different city on the same weekend as the Grey Cup. They know that they're competing against one another. Why are you competing? Like, come together, make the weekend in the same game at the same place. Anybody who buys a ticket to the Grey Cup gets to go to the U Sports game. You know, people care now. People will be there. For the longest time, that's how it used to be. And then I don't know why it stopped. It stopped a couple of years ago, and I'm not sure why it like because it used to be like that where the Saturday was the Vanier Cup final, and then the uh, Great Cup was on the Sunday. That's how you literally it was that Great Cup week was a more of a party than it is now because you had the universities involved, you had alumnus because a lot of our players are youth sports alumni. 
So it's just, I wish the CFL would, and I know Ambrose is talking about it and hopefully it happens where they will uh, figure something out, hopefully by 2022. But because I think Hamilton is hosting the Grey Cup in 2021, and that's the last year the Vanier yeah. Cup is in Hamilton because that's where they're hosting it for the, for the Vanier Cup. So I think after that, they're going to be the same place the same weekend. And that's, that's what it needs to be. You know, it needs to – you need to get more eyes on it. And I don't know if you were there when the um, uh, the basketball final, the final eight, was at Ottawa, and the finals was absolutely packed. And it was it was a great time, you know, big comeback by Carlton, um, and and people were into it, and it made the game really fun. Yeah, I mean, basketball is fantastic, and U Sport and Carlton basketball. It's a completely different subject. But, yeah, it's, it's about creating that connectivity between players and fans from all levels. So uh, I think we'll take a quick, quick break, and we'll be back with the, uh, the XFL folding and much more. Are you tired of spending hundreds of dollars to represent your favorite player in your favorite sport? Are you looking for a cheaper alternative while still getting a good quality product? Our friends at Customized Sports are here to help. With a wide selection of jersey kits available for purchase, they have the kit that fits your needs. Looking to make that Reblox jersey you have an Arbuckle jersey? Well, now you can. Simply visit CustomizedSports.com to find what you need. Thank you, Customized Sports, for sponsoring us. And we're back. So before the break, we were talking, you know, about creating a better, uh, broader reach for youth sports in the CFL. And, you know, I think we've all established that that needs to be a, a must-have, must-do for the league. Now we're going to talk about what the folding of the XFL means for the CFL and for CFL players going forward outside of 2020. So Frankie, you're the one who's been covering it a lot more than I have because I never thought the XFL is a, an issue. I never looked at it as it's going to cause the problem. I just looked at it as another spring league. So what, what are your opinions on where the XFL folding has kind of helped boost, I would say, the CFL, but also might have hurt the CFL? Yeah, I mean, my main concern with the league to begin with was what happens if it becomes profitable, you know, if it becomes successful and they can offer more, uh, you know, more money to players for a two-month schedule than the CFL can for – you know, 20, 23 games. Uh, you know, if when we talk, when we talked to Derek Dennis, uh, he said that, you know, essentially the, the conversion rate was killing American players in Canada. Um, so if the XFL was able to offer more, that would probably be it. So 
with the XFL folding, now those players that were originally there don't have the opportunity to go there. Now they have to come back here. Uh, and realistically, with how the cap worked this year, they'll probably have to take less money, which for the fans is a good thing. But for the players that were impacted by this, really, really hurts them. Yeah, and I think we've seen we've seen a couple of players. I think a Marty Edwards was the first one to come back to the CFL after leaving for the XFL. He signed with Edmonton. Uh, I think right now we should start seeing a little bit more players signing, uh, coming back to the CFL if they're not going to the NFL. But with the season up in shambles right now, it's kind of hard to determine on what's what players are thinking because having, you know, SJ Green back and, and Derek Dennis back uh, would be great for the league. And, you know, one thing I think we no one's really talked about with this whole COVID-19 thing is the later the season gets pushed back, you know, what about these CFL players who've signed – NFL contracts and they get get cut at the end of camp. So, you know, imagine if you're stand back getting cut by the Raiders and him going back to Montreal with to team up with James Wilder. Oh, that would be a nightmare for us, man. (laughs) Like, and that's the thing is that the later, that's one thing that is, I think, getting missed and it's an underlying issue is where we're going to have these issues of players coming back or being cut by their NFL teams going back to CFL teams and you know how much is that going to affect the outcome of games I'd say there's a good chance of it because instead of you coming in halfway through a season, you could only be coming into the season with, what, three, four weeks played in it? Maybe even less than that, depending on how long this is delayed. Um, but with the XFL shutting down, too, kind of makes me wonder, what teams have players on the roster now that they're going to decide to get rid of because they've decided that somebody from the XFL was better? It was their main target to begin with. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on the back end of this with players who thought they had a job that won't in about a month or two. Yeah, because uh, I'm pretty sure you can sign effectively now. So it's going to be interesting to see how – because the NFL plans to go ahead as planned, which is going to be interesting to see how they do it, but that's how they're trying to do it. But for the CFL – if you read my 613 article, I had four different situations. And ideally, which, you know, it just means Montreal plays four away games to start the, the season. They, they're, we start the season August 1st, or that weekend, the end of July, beginning of August. And instead of, you know, we're going to be missing like seven weeks at that point. And, you know, what would that have on players from the XFL? 
And would that would have the XFL not folding and being like, "Hey, we're going to be back for 2021," and knowing if you're if you're a player, knowing that the season's been pushed back in the CFL, would you double dip like that so you know you have a little bit of of break between the XFL and the CFL? It depends. I mean, did you did you make enough money to to live for the year? Because if you didn't, you know, realistically, you you got to do something. And if that means taking a shorter break and beating up your body a little bit, I you know that's that's kind of the profession you've chosen. You you either do that or you go work at you know a grocery store for a couple of months, and you got to kind of evaluate what what's going to get you a better outcome here. Yeah, wait, wait, see what happens. Wait based on injuries and whatnot, and then go from there. It's definitely going to be, or it's definitely caused a stir for football fans, though, with the XFL folding. Absolutely, and I mean, going going back and looking at the comments on that article I wrote, people uh, were saying that you know the XFL was just gonna like the players there were just gonna double dip all the time. And clearly those people didn't read the article uh, because I specifically said that if the XFL started paying, you know, more than the CFL could, uh, those players would just stay there and keep all that money. Um, But, you know, now that's not really a threat anymore, which is again, good for the fans, bad for the players, but you know, the CFL now maintains that number two spot. Here's a question that I think is on all CFL fan minds. What's a bigger threat? the XFL succeeding or the already the already big issue of the small amount of continuity and nor- for normality of players staying in their respective teams. You know, these one, two-year contracts, players jumping to different teams, that they'll be on the same team. They'll be on three teams in five years because – they only signed one year deals. Is that more of an issue than we want to believe? Or is that just the nature of the game right now? Honestly, I think, I think it would have been a bigger problem if the XFL survived. Um, you know, at least if you have players bouncing around, you still have those great players in your league. Uh, but if they started, you know, bouncing to the XFL and the XFL started picking off all of our good guys, I think that would have given us a much bigger problem. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, it's it's a double-edged sword because you can be, you know, the Stampeders, lose all your great players, and all of a sudden this year you might not be so great, whereas, you know, us Red Blacks fans had an awful year last year. And then, you know, this year, because of those one-year contracts, we have the ability to actually compete again. So I think it's it's kind of, like I said, a double-edged sword. And in our case, at least, it's uh, really benefiting us and giving us some hope yeah, I think it, it comes on a team-to-team basis. But, you know, there was talk early, like when Willie Jefferson, with the idea that Willie Jefferson was going to leave Winnipeg outside of the NFL, there was talk of, you know, that's going to hurt the league more than it's going to help the league. Because players, and you see it in all sports, where, like, fans connect with players. They are emotionally, they are there's some connection there in one way or another. And I think we've seen it with the way uh, Andrew Harris has kind of 
stayed in Winnipeg and the love for Winnipeg and willing to stay there for the rest of his career. And we've seen it with Bo Levi and Calgary. It was basically Calgary or the NFL. There was nowhere else. And would of the would the league have hurt more if a star player bounces around from different teams than it would if he were to bounce around to the NFL? I I, I don't I really don't think so. Um, you know, if we if if Bo Levi Mitchell right now went to I don't know. Let's let's go to the Toronto Argos because they were the one that were going to give him eight hundred thousand dollars. I think it's a bigger benefit to the CFL that Bo still plays in the league than if he goes to the NFL and becomes a backup quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, if he's leaving the CFL to be a backup, well, you have your priorities a little bit wonky there. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it depends how much they pay him. I mean, they would true. likely they'd be paying him, you know, Probably four or five million dollars. So yeah, but you know, seeing a guy like Singletary or uh, Singleton uh, leave for for the NFL and him being on the practice squad, you know, I think fans and the reason why people have troubles accepting the the CFL is because they don't know if their favorite player is coming back. You know, I think if you if you're a, if you're a kid and you know, we'll use you know, we'll use Ottawa because we're both here. We both follow the Red Blacks. You know, Sherrod Baltimore and and Rose. Those two guys are huge in the community. The yeah. impact of, you know, I know I know Rose has an injury and that's probably the reason why he's not back. Uh, but you know, the fact that if Sherrod Baltimore would have left and gone to, you know, Hamilton. That would have hurt the league more because it would have hurt the team more. Than I, it, I don't it, know if it hurts the league. I think it hurts each individual fan base. But um, if it hurts the fan base, it hurts the league because the CFL relies so heavily on this fan base. For it, sure. It, for sure. So – if a move hurts the team, it event, it ends up hurting the league if there's enough movement like it. Right. But on the same point, you know, uh, you know, you lose a guy and then, you know, next year or even the same year, you know, you bring in somebody else's fan favorite. I remember like the Red Blacks traded for Odell Willis a couple of years ago, flipped him out immediately for some guy that we don't think ever played on the roster. But, you know, Fan favorites do move around. There will be a guy like that on every team, you know. And I think, to be fair, too, if, if you build your team around fan favorite Canadians, you're set. Like, we've had Brad Sinopoli and Antoine Pruneau for virtually the entire thing. Yeah, well, I mean, drafting Pruneau, losing Pruneau because he was, I believe, our first uh, actual draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would hurt a lot. Oh, Sinopoli, yeah. you know, I think it would do the same thing that losing. And I think this is the thing is that you have a situation in Ottawa where as much as I had no issue watching them leave, a lot of people did where we lost, when they lost Harris, Ellingson, Powell, and Sir Vincent Rogers. And, you know, I don't think it was really much of a loss 
a lot of that fan base disagrees and it is what it is. Um, so we're, we're on the same boat with Trevor Harris then. I, I think he's I, overrated. I, I absolutely he's a great guy. agree. He's a great guy. He is a very nice person to talk to. Uh, I just think he's overrated. And I actually pulled up the trade. Uh, Jake Serezna was the guy we traded for Odell Wellis. Right. And then, yeah, we got – man, we lost Jake Serezna and Odell Wellis for just about nothing. Uh, fourth round pick and a player off of the Lions negotiation list. Who was never announced. No. So that's cool. But I think it was just because Serezna was going to leave anyways. Yeah. Well, he did end up with the Giants. So. Yeah. So. Um, but I th- if I remember correctly, there was some salary cap issues and whatnot. Um, and that was I also the year... don't think he got along with Thorpe. Yeah. That's, that's what I've heard too. A lot of people said that. Uh, and I believe even Sherrod, when we talked to him, said that you know yeah, he was really excited he, for a new start, and that Thorpe kind of limited what he was able to do. So you know, as as much as I like Noel Thorpe, I think he's a great coach. He has uh, a shelf life. Yeah, it, it really, it really, really and seems he, that way. And unfortunately, sports and especially football, if you're not a player's coach or a coach's player, you're not going to succeed. Doesn't matter how good you are, if you don't but fit at, the scheme. I mean, at the same time, if you're not winning, you're not you're not here. And we saw that with Rick Campbell, who, by all accounts, was was very very oh, good great. to his players, but you know, had one bad year. And well, he it. had more than one bad year. I think the crappiness of the East overshadowed so many of his problems. For sure, Absolutely. I don't. I don't think. Okay, yeah, he went to three Grey Cups. He almost you know by the by the skin on his on his fingers came away with a win in one of them i think if you ask a lot of players or a lot of fans we got lucky in that game if abdul kanade doesn't make that tackle we lose the great cup which welcome back to ottawa abdul we missed you buddy yeah like, <laughs> let's be real we were one play away from losing that great cup and when Lewis Ward came on, Lewis Ward was our best player in his rookie year. We couldn't finish a drive. Like Ottawa couldn't finish a drive to save their life. And it show. and the problem is that they would have glimpses of just annihilation of what that offense could have been like, but it was just so inconsistent. I think Campbell's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's as good as, people think he is just because he's gone to three Ray Cups. I also don't think that last year was entirely his fault. Um, the fact they didn't hire an offensive coordinator and let Joe Pow Pow do it, um, that was not great. Uh, I mean, I was on board with it because Winston October had done absolutely nothing. Uh, but, I, you know, you can't put that squarely on Rick Campbell's shoulders, and I think he's going to do okay in BC. But that being said, I think Ottawa – with Paul Lapolis as both head coach and and O, o coordinator, I think they've kind of set themselves up in a good spot. And Benavides coming in as DC, uh, Rob Dice back as special teams <laughs> coordinator. You know, He's a goofy I, looking guy. Hey, he gets the job done. But I think if you were to break down the East, though, Hamilton, Montreal, and Ottawa. I wouldn't sleep on Toronto this year either, man. Um, you know, Matt Nichols, I think, is better than people give him credit for. 
he couldn't ever get it over the top with the Blue Bombers. But he kept getting hurt. He did. And, you know, he was the guy that I really, really thought we were going to end up with for a while. Um, I, I honestly, until the trade, I agreed. I would 100% be like, we're getting one of the three quarterbacks from Winnipeg. And then we made the trade and I figured it was just a matter of time before he signed. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the East is going to be, you know, pretty decent this year. Um, I'm, I'm really, really happy to see what Vernon Adams is doing with Montreal. You know, no, watching him in the preseason James last Wilder year. Wilder is going yeah. to be nuts. Assuming I'm he can su- regain that form that he was oh, he in his will. rookie year. 100%. You're putting him in an, a West Coast-style offense that's going to just run and run. RP, like run, run pass option all day. They're going to be running out of the gun, probably pistol, pistol formation. It's going to be reading that defense, either handing it off, pulling it back, and gunning it for, you know, Eugene Lewis. And that offense is going to be clicking. Yeah. I'm, I'm also excited to see what Hamilton can, can do, even though I hate the Tiger Cats. Uh, I think they're going to be leaps and bounds better than they were last year because I am not a Dane Evans fan. I do not think that he is that good. See, I – I'm in the same boat because that team around him was so good and they've lost a a couple of pieces from that team. Uh, But I think he's, he has to be penciled in as QB one heading into training camp. Evans. He has to be really, he led you guys to a great cup. Mazzoli's coming off a knee injury. You know, unfortunately, if you're coming off a knee injury, you signed a one year deal. Evans is under contract for 21. So you're banking on Mazzoli banked on being able to, to recover slowly and enter free agency in 2021. Cause I highly doubt Mazzoli, unless Evans regress heavily between now and the free agency of 2021, Mazzoli will be a free agent quarterback. I highly doubt he's going to stay in Hamilton. Well, okay, so that brings this question. I was going to ask you about Jennings, but Jennings is – I think he's done. That's it. If you were to flip Dane Evans and Dominique Davis last year, would the Red Blacks still be as bad and would the Tiger Cats still be as good? Yes. Because personally, I think think that it would be pretty much the same outcome for both teams. I think Hamilton – because I think the coaching and the players around – Dane Evans were that good. I think Dave Evans, Dominique Davis wasn't the only problem in Ottawa. There were plenty of games where receivers like actually and figuratively dropped the ball on many occasions. Yeah. And, and if you actually, if you rewatch the last two games that he played in the season, he's a lot better than he was for the duration of the season. And I believe if I remember correctly, he got hurt at some point early in the season, and then he tried to play through it, and by yeah. then, it was it over. It was too late. Dominique Davis is a lot better than people give him credit for because, and I made this tweet out a while ago, and RJ Harris liked it, and it was basically calling out the receivers, is that running, like, the quarterback can only do so much. If you throw a pass at the numbers, your receiver should catch it. Your job as a quarterback is to throw your receiver open. And there were plenty of, like, even in the first game, I rewatched the first game. 
think two of his four picks were because the receiver bobbled it and couldn't like didn't catch it cleanly and unfortunately that gets put on the on the quarterback because you look at the stat line and you're like oh four picks that's a problem but yes was our quarterback position awful a hundred percent but i i think davis was head and shoulders above the other two though and like like i said i was surprised he made it out of camp i did not think he was going to make it out of camp when you play that well in the preseason like he was really good in the preseason honestly by in comparison to danny collins yes a hundred percent but by like week 15, that team quit on, on the coaches. Oh, yeah. And it was obvious in their play. Absolutely. And so, it would have been interesting to see, too, if Deadman could have got back healthy. And, you know, Deadman's going to go off this year. I am, man, with Arbuckle, who throws a pretty, uh, a pretty deep ball, it should be pretty fun. Yeah. Hopefully, Deadman can catch. We haven't seen that yet. But I think he can. He's going to be like a Chris Williams type, though. Chris Williams couldn't catch, though. I was not a Chris Williams fan. See, he could catch, but he was one-dimensional. Yep. He was a speedster down the sideline. Deadman can run routes. And I still think Ottawa's best option is to bring in a guy like Luke Tasker or Manny Arsenault because they need that veteran. Like, they need someone outside of Sinopoli to be a a veteran receiver. I think we could probably count on RJ Harris to do that now, but I mean, you've, you've also got in the league. It's, I still think it's a little bit too early to count on him. That's fair. But you've also got young guys. You got, you know, you got Deadman. you've got uh, Arujo Lopes who had a really big game and then got hurt. So it'll be interesting to see what he does, but one, <laughs> yeah, one big game and I'm excited about him. Hey, sometimes that's all that matters. Uh, I don't know. Did you, uh, did you see there is um, a post on Twitter from CFL and they were talking about putting Bo Levi in the conversation as a top five quarterback. People of all time? Was, of all time. Where what, what's the threshold of – because you keep seeing TSN and you've been seeing it for years where they have been, oh, Bo Levi set, is the fastest one to set this record or this record. At what point do you start – basically saying that like he is a top five quarterback to ever play in the CFL. Is it when I he mean, wins a little bit more? I think he's already there. <laughs> I think he's already there. I think the conversation now becomes when is he the best of all time? And people were like, Oh, he's, he's just supported by really good cast of no, players. I don't think so. And it's like, okay, yes. The, his coaching has been fantastic. Dickinson and um, Huffnagel, fantastic coaches. But all you have to look at it, that 2018 season, he had just over 5,000 passing yards and zero receivers over 1,000 yards receiving. And his number one and number two targets played 10 games in Kamar Jordan, who had like 950 yards. And, um, oh, man, I can't remember the second one. I'm going to bring it up. But he played 12 games that season, too. Like, between the two of them, they played 22 games. And neither of them, like, the the most uh, – the player who played the most game was Breskison 
Beskison. I can't pronounce his last name. Beskison. Yeah, that at 17 games, he had like 500 yards. But uh, who was Jawan Beskison before that season? Who was Reggie Bagleton before that season? Like, every time you look at the Calgary Stampeders and you're like, no weapons. Tavares Daniels. They're going to suck. Like, who were these people before they got to play with Bo well, Levi Mitchell? To be fair, Tavares Daniels had a name in, in the CFL. Yes. But, you know, Reggie Bagleton had played seven games. Eric Rogers played nine. You had Lamar Durant, who only who played fourteen, and he only had he had under four hundred yards. Who was they have Don Jackson right now? Correct. Uh, I thought he left. They had some running back that went off and like caught balls out of the backfield all the time. I think that was um, last year, which yes. was yeah. But was, who uh, who was he before he started playing with Bo? Yeah, and you that, know, like it's just. You know, he ha- Eric Rogers and Reggie, ben- Reggie Bennington both went over a thousand yards last year. And you know, I and hate Tom Brady. I absolutely hate Tom Brady. But Bo Levi Mitchell is the Tom Brady of the, of the CFL. He's better than the Tom Brady of the CFL. It's. It, it, I mean, Tom Brady in his prime. Like the thing that I'm looking at though is a quarterback who makes his team better and who makes his team win. You know, like Here's the sure thing. the Stamps have had great teams, but it Bo began Levi and played- end with Bo. But Levi played 11 games, and he had 3,000 yards passing. Yep. 19 touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than uh, Fajardo had, had that Harris had. He had – and it's just – you know, Dominic Davis is eighth with just over 2,000 yards. Okay, but we didn't didn't throw the ball. We couldn't catch. We – Man, we partied like we won the Great Cup when we scored a touchdown. We were awful. Yeah, but the fact that like in one like in one more game he threw about a hundred yards more than Arbuckle did. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that Bo Levi in eleven games was seventh in passer passing yards. In two more games, he put up thirteen hundred yards more than Arbuckle did. And it's That's ridiculous. It, I mean, and it, it wasn't even a great year for Bo by all standards. You know, he didn't win like he used to. Uh, he didn't make the great cup this year. Um, I don't believe, no, they, they made it to the West final, correct? Yeah. They lost the West final to yeah. Winnipeg and they didn't, they didn't play well at all. So, you know, in an off year for Bo to be that good, you know, well, it's kind of scary. The team, they lost most of their defense for sure. But even by Bo's standards, you know, like before that elbow injury, he really wasn't throwing the ball all that well. You know, he they were they just didn't look like a Bo Levi Mitchell throw, and I think that injury gave him time to recover. Uh, it gave us a good quarterback, hopefully, because um, Nick Arbuckle's name wasn't anything before that injury. Yeah, and I mean, he was part of the 2012 team, but in. Uh... 2014, he threw for over 3,000 yards. Like, he's hit 5,000 yards twice in his career already. You know, he has 169 touchdowns versus 70 interceptions. Yeah. Like, how can you not – how can you say that he's been a product of a solid team when he's made that team? And that that doesn't happen in the CFL, you know – 
your team switch up. Like we said earlier, you know, there's so much turnover that for a team to be as good as they are for as long as they are, it's incredible. You don't make three, you don't make five great cup appearances in a decade for like just out of luck. Absolutely. Like you can't tell me that if you threw Jonathan Jennings in that situation or McLeod Bethel, actually McLeod Bethel Thompson might be able to get. I don't think so. I think I'm not sold on Bethel Thompson. I don't think Toronto's sold on him either. Well, that's, that's why Nichols came in, but I mean, that's going to be really interesting actually, because Bethel Thompson Thompson thinks he can start. So, but Nichols, you give someone a three year, a three year deal. He's your starter. Well, you would assume so. Unless Nichols unless goes he, in there unless and he, sucks Unless he can. craps the bed or he's not 100% healthy. Sure. Yeah. But, I mean, they got a hell of a backup quarterback there. Yeah. I still think Adams is the best quarterback in the, in the East right now, though. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really because, like – You know, Arbuckle, his, he's a first-time starter – you don't know what you have, like what you really have in Evans and Mazzoli right now. You know, Her- uh, Nichols is coming off a serious injury, and then Bethel Thompson. You don't know how consistent or what that team's makeup is going to look like because there was so much turnover. I think you know, losing losing Stanback but gaining Wilder, you've upgraded your running back position. Sure. So I think Vernon Adams is in the best situation to continue the success that he had last year. And who knows, you know, there's still some chips to fall. Uh, like Derek Dennis is still out there. I'm sure he'll be on a team by the time the season starts, Hopefully. Uh, if not sooner. Yeah. We really like him here. So, um, but Luke I'm Pasker's sure they're still available. SJ green might end up on a team. Yeah. So, you know, you could see the entire landscape. Like if, if Ottawa lands, you know, two of those guys, all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about a different balance in the East. You know, if the Argos land SJ Green and Derek Dennis, they uh, might be one of the best teams in the East. And then if you add, you know, if you allow SJ Green to go back to Montreal and, you know, they don't need Derek Dennis because they already have uh, Washington. But if you bring in, let's say you bring in Dennis to be a guard and you have you got that left side is Washington and and Dennis. You're not getting to to Adams from that side. Yeah, forget about it. It's not happening. You might as well just load up the left side and like you're yeah. And that's what's gonna happen is you're gonna you're gonna force teams to load up the right side, and you're just you're gonna run the ball to the left and and if they load up the left side, you're gonna run to the ball to the right. Yeah. I mean, I hope that uh, Arbuckle can convince Desjardins to pick up Dennis uh, for our sake, because we're both big Derek Dennis fans. Uh, big O-line fans. Mad respect for, <laughs> for the O-line. Yeah. I mean, if Derek Dennis is a red black, man, I'll be... That's my be, next we'll jersey. Don't yeah, care. Absolutely. Don't, don't care. Bet on, clamp on it right now. There's two teams that if he signs, I will be the first to buy his jersey. uh, Montreal and Ottawa. Wow, you'd get a Montreal jersey. Montreal jersey, I love it. Like their new, their that navy, that dark navy blue, crisp. If he were to go to Montreal, I would be the first person to buy his jersey. 
As long as it's not Hamilton. I won't own a Hamilton jersey. See, I have a Hamilton jersey. No. I got it for 60 bucks. Okay, fine. <laughs> so I got my Red Blacks one. I got my Hamilton one. 60 bucks each. Couldn't say no. Yeah. All right, that's a solid deal then. I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> my goal is to have every jersey from every team. Yeah, I've got my mini helmet collection just over on the wall, just up there. And I've got all the East teams except Hamilton. See, maybe it's because I became a Hamilton fan when the like when the Renegades folded. Ah, uh, because yeah, like it was it was Hamilton and Calgary that were the two teams that like I liked, you know. So when Henry Burris went from Calgary to Hamilton, I was stoked. <laughs> and then yeah. he came to Ottawa, and I was ecstatic. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't really get into football until the Red Blacks were announced, and then. You know, my grandpa put a deposit down in 2008, I think it was, because we were supposed to start playing in 2012 yeah. or 2010, something like that. So, and in the city, there were so many art. It was ridiculous. The storyline well, for the Red Blacks is crazy. It's in, I did a decade for, uh, in review for the Red Blacks on 613 as well. And all that stuff is in there. So if you want to read that, you know, go, go right on ahead. Yeah, because um, the Renegades didn't officially fold until 2008. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't huge into football, and then the Red Blacks got me hooked. So I didn't have a team before this, but yeah, no, hopefully I, I don't have a different team after. I've been following the CFL since I was five. Like my first memories of going to Frank Clair Stadium mm-hmm. and watching the, the Renegades on wood benches. What <laughs> an ugly dump we used to have, man. It was ugly, but it was our dump, and it was loud. <laughs> it was lively. It was great. Uh, for sure. But I think that's it for the first episode. It's been almost – it's been a good one. A lot of topics. <laughs> um, it's kind of what's going to happen for, for our episodes, I find, is where we'll start drifting off to different things. So You've got a lot of stuff up in that big head of yours, too, so – Oh yeah, I just like to talk. So sorry for being the one who talks the most here. <laughs> but I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, it's a little bit longer than expected, but be rest assured that we'll keep the episodes to about forty-five minutes each. After this, we'll have new episodes on every Friday morning, um, probably around ten o'clock. And you'll be able to find it on anywhere you find your your uh, podcast, Spotify, Apple, all that. Give us a follow at 13th Man Pod on Twitter. Uh, same username on Instagram. Follow myself, Shane underscore Ryan97 on Twitter. Frankie, do you got anything to plug? Yeah, just, uh, I mean, if you want to stay up to date with a little bit of stuff, you know, I'm at 613Frankie on Twitter. I don't really use Instagram all that much as you know, for anything. So don't even bother looking for that. Um, and then we do have that contest going on right now. So if you go to the 13th man pod Twitter account, it's our pinned tweet, follow the rules on that tweet and you will be entered to win a Jersey kit uh, to customize one of your blank jerseys. So be sure to do that as well. Yes. And remember guys, if you register or you enter for one month, you're automatically entered into the next month. So you don't need to re-enter, even though the rules and, you know, the guidelines will change month to month just to keep things interesting. Uh, once you enter, you're enter. You don't have to worry about it, but we always enjoy, you know, a, re- a retweet and all that. 
So again, if you have any topics you want us to listen or talk about, definitely let us know. We're all, we're open on all platforms for discussion, but I hope you guys have a great one. We will catch you back here next Friday with a brand new episode of the 13th Man Podcast. Mm -hmm.